Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hey everybody, welcome back to Reason and Theology on a Friday, joined by Jimmy Aiken. We're talking about the three days of darkness. Will there be three days of darkness? This is a prophecy that we tend to hear about from the, probably around the 18th century or so. Jimmy's going to tell us a little bit more about it, but it tends to come up a lot and a lot of people are asking questions about it. So that's what we're going to cover. The three days of darkness explained with Jimmy Aiken. Jimmy, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, glad to be here, Michael. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Always an honor to have you on. I learn every time you come on. And I saw your article. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you posted it a few days ago, um, yeah, about three days ago or so on Catholic Answers. I got a chance to read it last night and I thought I got to get them on to talk about this because I see it come up so often. And some people are kind of getting stirred up in a frenzy and really concerned over this. So I want you to maybe give us a little bit of background on it. Maybe if you can start us out by, first of all, just explaining to us what exactly is the three days of darkness, and then we can get into some other details about it. Okay. So if I've known about the three days of darkness prophecy for a long time, I've done some research on it in previous years. Recently, I had a request to, um, to, you know, take a new look at it. And so I wrote this piece, which is called, Will There Be Three Days of Darkness? It's at Mm -hmm. catholic.com. It's also at jimmyakin.com. And the basic idea is kind of in the name that, Mm -hmm. you know, at some point in the future, there's going to be three days where there will not be a lot of light on earth. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be dark. The most famous quotation if you if you go on different websites talking about the three days of darkness comes from an Italian mystic who lived in the late 1700s and early 1800s. Her name was uh, Anna Maria Taiji. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's one way it's pronounced. And she's currently a blessed uh, after she died. A cause for her canonization was opened up and she became blessed in the early 20th century. But her case seems to have kind of stalled. Because mm. there, she hasn't progressed. It's been a century, over a century, since she achieved blessed status, and she hasn't been uh, elevated to sainthood. So I would assume they're having difficulty finding a verifiable miracle attributed to her intercession. Um, in any event, she there's this quote that's attributed to her, and it summarizes the basics of the idea. So it says, "This is the quote." There shall come over the whole earth an intense darkness lasting three days and three nights. Nothing can be seen, and the air will be laden with pestilence, meaning disease, which will claim many, but not only the enemies of religion. So even if you're religious, you may get sick and die. It will be impossible to use any man-made lighting during this darkness except blessed candles. He who, out of curiosity, opens his window to look out or leaves his home will fall dead on the spot. During these three days, people should remain in their homes, pray the rosary, and beg God for mercy. All the enemies of the church, whether known or unknown, will perish over the whole earth during that universal darkness, with the exception of a few whom God will soon convert. 
So most of the opponents of the church, they're all just mm-hmm. going to they're going to be killed. Ah. Um, the air shall be infected by demons who will appear under all sorts of hideous forms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's understandable why people would be interested in this. It's very compelling. It's understandable why they would be concerned about this, because it would be terrifying to live it, through that. So, you know, even if you're one of the good guys, I mean, all the bad guys, you know, the enemies of the church, they're all going to die. But even if you're one of the good guys, if you go outside, you're going to get struck dead. And also the air is going to be filled with terrifying demons. You're going to be doing everything by candlelight. And there's going to be a pestilence like super COVID that may kill you even if you're one of the good guys. So, yeah, really scary experience. Sounds like it. I, I like the question that Trent Horn asked in his um, on on the skit that his wife did, Laura mm-hmm. Horn, on her channel on the three days of darkness. And the question he asked was, well, how are we going to light these candles? If nothing mm-hmm. except the candles will show light. How does yeah. that work? <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting, interesting question. Maybe you light the match and it has a little dark flame and you apply yeah. it to the candle and become yeah. a light flame. Yeah. Maybe you don't see the flame of the match mm-hmm. visibly, but it still lights the candle. Could mm-hmm. be, could be, could be. I don't know. But yeah, so I I totally get why this could be intense for some people. Um, let me ask you this. Are there any others who testify to this? You mentioned Anna Maria Taiji. Who, who else? Well, uh, there's a, a woman, another mystic named Marie-Julie Yaheni, uh, who is who also mentioned this. And according to her, only 100 percent wax candles will work. Mm-hmm. So Blessed Anna Maria Taiji said that only candles will work. Mm-hmm. And Marie-Julie uh, Jahini said only 100% wax candles will work. And this has led to a bit of a cottage industry uh, mm-hmm. on the Catholic Internet of people selling 100% beeswax candles for the three days of darkness. Getting they also prepared. need to be blessed, blessed, by the way. Mm-hmm. Does this actually go back to Marie Julie Jahani, or, or is this just like something that people say goes back to her, but there's no verification for that? Or this is one. So um, she lived a little bit later mm-hmm. than uh, bless Anna Mar- than Blessed Anna Maria Taiji. Um, Jahani lived between 1850 and 1941, so second half of the. 19th century, first half of the 20th century. And I haven't run that one to ground. I haven't checked. I've seen it reported that mm-hmm. she said this, but I haven't done mm-hmm. the research to to check that one out fully yet. But the one and, about, oh, go ahead. And and there are other mystics, you know, ones today, you know, who are on the Catholic internet that are talking about the three days of darkness. So it's it's not just these individuals. Now, the one with Anna Maria Taiji, does that go back to her? Is is that authentic to, to well, what she actually said? A, that's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that now I should mention, and before I address her, I should mention that you'll have other people uh, attributing it to saints from before her time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, some people cite Bible passages that deal with darkness, but really there's no biblical prophecy of a three days of darkness in our future. Um, you know, it's it's not there. Also, this is not part of church teaching. 
if you search the Vatican website for Three Days of Darkness, you're going to find nothing. So this is not church teaching. It's an idea that comes from private revelation. And with anything like this, you want to say, okay, so how did the idea get introduced and how did it spread? And here we have a a problem because you'll have some websites attributing this prophecy to St. Patrick. Mm-hmm. who lived way back, you know, in the like 400s and 500s. Other people will say it was St. Hildegard of Bingen, who lived in the 1100s. Other people will say it was St. Teresa of Avila, who lived in the 1500s. And if it was any of those three, well, we've got their writings. So it should be easy to verify it if they said this was going to happen. Now, I've read the authentic writings of St. Patrick, and he doesn't prophesy this. I haven't read everything by Hildegard of Bingen or um, Teresa of Avila, but the fact nobody has been able to come up with a passage Mm -hmm. in their writings suggests that instead of this being something they really said, what you're seeing is some modern people are trying to bolster this prophecy by giving it the appearance of antiquity and saying, oh, these famous saints from long ago prophesied it. But really, the evidence is that they didn't. If if they did, I mean, we've got their writings. It should be easy to produce the passages, and no one has done that. So it seems to be much more recent. When we come to Blessed Anna Maria Taiji, mm-hmm. um, now she died... It, there's some very interesting stuff on this. I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to approach it. Um, she died in 1837, and she, uh, during her life, reported seeing, and there are several biographies of her, but mm-hmm. during her life, she reported seeing a kind of glowing orb that she referred to as a mystic, or that was referred to as a mystic sun, you know, like the sun in the sky. Only in looking into this glowing orb that would kind of float around you know, in her presence, um, she would see visions of the future looking into it. And she told these to her spiritual director. Um, His name was Raffaella Natali. And, And he said something very interesting. In fact, this is admitted by uh, some websites that talk about this. Now, if you look on various websites with the quotation I read, you will very commonly find it, uh, find a citation after it. It'll say uh, Private Prophecy 1863. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a book, you Mm -hmm. know, a book called Private Prophecy or maybe Private Prophecies. Mm -hmm. And that would be very helpful because we could look that up. You know, Google and others have had a massive book digitization process Everything in the public domain in worldwide libraries is basically available in electronic form now. And if it's out of public domain, like something from 1863 would be, it's easily accessible. Um, So I did checking on archive.org and Google Books and other um, avenues of searching, and there does not appear to be any such book either spelled in the singular or the plural, neither private prophecy nor private prophecies. I found one website that um, gave an Italian title for it and said it was published in Rome, which is where uh, Blessed Taiji lived. And so um, 
I, I did checking on the Italian title. It was just the Italian equivalent of Private Prophecy. And I did checking on that. Again, nothing in archive.org, nothing in Google Books, nothing in other channels. So it looks like no such book ever existed. My guess is that someone saw this quote attributed to a to a private prophecy mm-hmm. of Blessed Taiji. And they assumed it was a book title. Mm-hmm. And so they've been citing it as if it was a book. But it they could mean it was um, it was this quotation, which is lengthy, that this quotation was a private prophecy given by Blessed Taiji in Rome in 1863. Problem mm-hmm. is, she died 26 years before that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if this text dates from 1863... It does not come from Blessed Anna Maria Taiji. And uh, that raises questions, big ones, about is this even a real quote? You know, because it it has no provenance. It allegedly comes from something in 1863, but not a book that we can find. And if it is uh, if it's meant to be a prophecy of hers, she died 26 years old, 26 years earlier in 1837. So how, how why would it something is wrong here? Either it's not from her or it's not from 1863 or both. It's not either one. Um, also, there are websites that acknowledge some further issues with uh, with this idea a court there's a, a website called the great catholic monarch and angelic pontiff prophecies mm-hmm. and it supports the three days of darkness so they're on team three days of darkness but um they acknowledge the following they say this is a direct quotation from their website they say there is no question blessed anna maria taiji saw in her mystic son several visions of clouds of darkness and other horrific disasters descending upon the earth during the time of the punishments. This has been mentioned during her beatification process as seen above. However, so according to this, during her canonization process, it was mentioned she saw clouds of some kind of vision of clouds of darkness descending on the earth. However, the website goes on to say the mention of a specific time frame of three days for the foretold purge of the earth was allegedly re- was first allegedly revealed by her spiritual director d uh, i assume that's for don uh the italian word for mister um raffaele natale who was not only her strongest supporter during her beatification process but also gave ample testimony regarding her visions for in obedience she had told him everything according to an article in the el ermitano uh, D. Natali revealed the following during around August of 1864, a year after her beatification process was opened by Blessed Pius IX in 1863. So this is a quotation from Natali. Quote, it is very true that the venerable servant of God announced the scourge of the three days of darkness spread over all the earth. In these circumstances, the windows should be closed and leaning over them should be avoided and it will be imperative to pray the Holy Rosary and pray. Close quote. There's also an indication he may have told somebody else that it was specifically three days the previous year in 1863. 
But that seems to be when the claim first emerges hmm. of three days of darkness. Um, in, in reading a book uh, that came out in 1873 by uh, Calixte, um, 1873, of Blessed Anna Maria Taiji, um, it confirms this from a different angle. It says, during several consecutive days, she saw an excessively thick darkness envelop the whole world. And after that, the fall of walls and beams as if a great building had come down. Now, right there, let me ask you a question, Michael. Mm -hmm. If I said, I see dark days ahead. Mm -hmm. If I see darkness descending on the earth, am I necessarily talking about physical darkness? No, it's a, you know, it's, it's an expression. Pretty common. Yeah, it can yeah. mean spiritual darkness. Sure. Um, so right there, we've got this question we need to figure out. Is this meant to be a physical darkness at all or is it some kind of spiritual darkness? Sure. Well, um, the the book by Calixte then has a footnote on this passage, and it says, this is not in my article, it's some, something I've come across more recently, but it says, it has been presumed that the above prediction refers to a physical darkness. Anna Maria, as far as we know, so this is 1873, biographer of Anna Maria Taiji, says, um, as far as we know, she has neither, she has fixed neither its duration nor the date at which it may be expected. But Monsignor Natali, one of the few who are acquainted with her prophecies in their entirety, when questioned on this subject by a number of people, assured them that the darkness would be would last three days. So the idea of three days appears to come from her spiritual director, Natali. And her biographer is not aware of, of, of Anna Maria herself, either saying when to expect this or how long it's going to last. So if, if her biographer doesn't know those things, and he's writing contemporaneously with the, you know, her canonization process in its early stages, so there would have been a lot of information about her available, um, that strongly suggests that the quote that I read, the one that you see on all the websites, is a fake because mm -hmm. it doesn't come from a book. It doesn't come. It, 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 she didn't give it in 1863. Mm -hmm. uh, she was long dead by that point. According to multiple sources, she didn't name three days. The only source we have saying that she named three days was her spiritual director who confirmed it orally. So we're dependent on, among other things, his memory. You know, he's going to be an elderly guy now. Mm -hmm. uh, this is 26 years after she died. He's if he was. If he was, you know, say a 40 year old priest at the time, he's going to be in his late 60s now, which was quite old for back then. Um, and so he may have memory issues about exactly what she said. We need to see it written down. And th that's what this quote claims to be, you know, an exact quotation of something she, she said and it has been written down. But then why weren't people citing it earlier? Why were they depending on Monsignor Natale and his memory of what she said? So this is all extremely suspicious in terms of its evidential value. It looks like we've got a, a, a manufactured quotation. Either it was manufactured accidentally 
you know, innocently, but through an accidental series of circumstances, or it was manufactured deliberately and put in her name. But it appears that the idea, you'll notice that neither the website I read from nor the Calixte biography um, says she was just confirming something everybody already knew about that there was going to be this three days. They don't say, oh, just like St. Patrick said, or St. Teresa said, or St. Hildegard said, or some other saint said. They're not linking it to anybody mm -hmm. but her. Mm -hmm. So it looks like the three days of darkness prophecy came from Blessed Anna Maria Taiji as interpreted by and remembered by her spiritual director, Monsignor Natali, but the specific quotations that you see from her, like the, mm. the main one I read, are 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 evidentially problematic. They, she couldn't have written this prophecy in 1863. It doesn't come from any known book of the period. And it looks like it's a product of the apparition rumor net rather than something that scholars have actually been able to verify. Do you find that this is something that occurs often? In my own research, mm -hmm. I come across all kinds of quotes about prophecies online. I'll go to track them down and mm -hmm. there really aren't primary sources. I've even found mm -hmm. books that are published by some Catholic publishers mm -hmm. that are producing these quotes and not showing the primary sources for the quotes. It is an endemic problem. I refer to it as the apparition rumor net uh, because it's without without primary sources to check out. It's all just rumor. And there's a folk process that goes on where, you know, people think about interesting ideas and they tweak it just a little and they give their understanding of it. Sometimes you even have hoaxers and trolls saying, let's stir this up. Let's let's make some make up a new dramatic quote and attribute it to somebody. Um, an example of that would seem to be a quotation about the three days of darkness attributed to Padre Pio. If you do searching on Padre Pio, Three Days of Darkness, you'll find a quotation allegedly of him. Uh, but that one has been checked out. Um, there was an author writing uh, an, a book on the last days a few years ago. He contacted the Capuchin order that Padre Pio belonged to mm -hmm. and said, can you verify this in his papers? And they said he never made such a prophecy. Mm -hmm. So it looks like someone else, maybe an Internet troll, made up the prophecy and wanted it to have attention. So they attributed attributed it to Padre Pio, even though there was no primary source documentation for that. And this happens constantly. And in my work, both as a Catholic apologist and as an investigator of mysteries, I come across frauds with some regularity. You mean, I'm I'm entirely open. I mean, God's omnipotent. He can make three days of darkness and kill his enemies and all that stuff if he chooses. You mm -hmm. know, it's not a question of can God do it? Um, the question is, do we actually have good evidence that he has chosen to do it? And there are a lot of people making a lot of claims. And if if you don't have primary sources that you can check out, I, there's just so much misinformation on the Internet that it's not. It, it You shouldn't give credence to it unless it can be checked out. And so far, I have not been able to find any uh, approved apparition that has uh, the three days of darkness in it from any saint or any mystic who's been investigated by their bishop. And it's important to do that because lots of people think they're getting revelations from God and and some of them are. And that's great when someone is genuinely getting revelations from God. 
unfortunately, um, you know, like it says in the New Testament, don't believe every spirit. Test them and see whether they're really from God. You have to, you can't, you don't just believe it because someone claims to be receiving private revelation. You need to test them and see if they really are receiving private revelation. And the test isn't, it makes me feel good and more spiritual. You need to look at it critically so that you're not being misled by your feelings. And sometimes, like in the Fatima apparitions or in the Cabejo apparitions, the ecclesiastical authorities look into it, or a private individual could look into it and test it critically and say, yeah, I think this person is genuinely receiving revelation. But other times, they're hoaxers trying to make money or get attention, or they're mentally ill, or they're, they're innocently imagining things that aren't true, uh, but they think that they're in communication with God. There are multiple natural, or they're talking to a demon. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are multiple or an alien or an alien. Um, it, there are multiple alternative explanations besides they're genuinely in contact with God. And you need to many, many of them natural explanations. And so whenever you hear an apparition claim before you believe it, you need to test it. It's like in the Old Testament, God said, I'm going to send you prophets. And he says, if you say, how will we know that mm. this is one of your prophets? He gives them a test. Mm. And so he was it's it's expected that you're going to test divine messengers to see whether they're really in communication with God or whether something else is going on. And the test being if they lead you after other gods or they have failed prophecies, it's not from God. Those would be two of the indicators. Yes. Any others? Oh, well, sure. I mean, the in 1978, the uh, Congregation for Divine Worship issued now the Dicastery. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, now the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, issued a document um, for local bishops to aid them in assessing private revelations. Originally, it was not published in English, but uh, being the curious fellow that I am, I was able to obtain and publish a copy of it in English. And I was, as far as I know, one of the first persons to do that in English. Mm. Um, but they later revealed it in during mm-hmm. uh, Pope Benedict's reign, Cardinal Aveda announced the document. And it contains other criteria, too. Like, for example, if the um, if the seer or someone associated with the seer manifests a search for profit during the occasion when the visions are going on, Mm -hmm. that's a negative sign. Um, It's not like they can't write a book after it's all over, Mm -hmm. but if they're trying to make money in some way while the visions are going on, that's a sign that the visions may not be credible. But Mm -hmm. that's just one example. Yeah, if they're also in sin, I think the document mentions that serious grave sin. You know. But what? there there mm-hmm. are people who I've uncovered who mm-hmm. who are purported mystics who are who are fake. Um yeah. I one of them I talked about on Mysterious World. He's a Canadian uh priest named Father Michel Rodrigue. I was right and, about to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. He he has uh terrified a lot of people. Mm-hmm. With uh, prophecies of imminent end of the world, and and uh, there's going to be a spiritual disaster that kind of parallels the three days of darkness idea, where um, he refers to it as the time of refuges, and the idea is there's going to be this intense persecution and spiritual disaster, and if you want to survive as one of God's people, you're going to have to go to a place that is specially blessed, 
where the forces of darkness and can't get at you. And this is, he calls these places refuges. And he even has a special prayer for consecrating your apartment or your farm or whatever as a refuge. And he, all kinds of miracles are going to attend you during the time of refuges. But it's kind of like, you know, in the three days of darkness quotation that I read, you look outside, you're going to die. Well, something similar applies in the time of refuges. Um, now, I did an investigation with the help of some assistants because he has a, had a lot of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through the material looking for certain kinds of things. And he claims he made a bunch of claims that turned out to be false. Such for as? One, well, for one thing, his 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 life story is just not believable. Um, he has this dramatic story of his home being exercised um, by uh, when he was a child because mm-hmm. the devil was trying to get him personally as a little kid. And so the devil's infesting their home and uh, a priest comes to exercise it and runs away yelping because he's too scared of the demon. And then the bishop comes. Mm-hmm. to exercise the house. And the bishop runs away yelping because he's too scared of the demon. And then his mom decides we need to burn our house down mm-hmm. to get and move somewhere else. So he, because the phenomena centers on him, he gets his mom's permission to burn the house down. So they they put they 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 get, you know, incendiary material, they put it in the house, and his mom lets him light it. And so he goes into the house he lights the incendiary material and and he hears this roaring sound of the yeah. devil trying to get him. And he runs out the front door and hands of fire reach after him. But his mom drops to her knees and prays to the Lord and the hands recede. Yeah. It's like this is something out of a movie. This is yeah. incredible. But um, the he also reports resurrecting a woman from the dead mm-hmm. at, if memory serves, it was Christmas Eve mass in Montreal. And he says he was in Montreal and he's celebrating, um, he's celebrating the mass at this particular parish. It was St. Michael's, if I recall correctly, uh, at Cathedral. And this woman uh, drops dead. And these doctors are ministering to her and and she's just gone. She's dead. And the um, and the doctors go up to the priest. They apparently stop the mass. The doctors go up to the priest and say, she's dead, father. She's dead. And and father uh, Rodrigue says, no, this cannot be. And he goes up to her and he puts her hands on his his hands on her chest. And he says, hey, she was dead Um, and and commands her to live. And she leaps to her feet and is hopping up and down saying, oh, I never felt so well. I feel so well. Thank you, Father, blah, 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 blah. And just to be sure, though, that she's okay, um, they he, he says they need to take her to the hospital. So mm-hmm. someone calls an ambulance, they take her to the hospital and uh, and check her out. And then as he's finished, he resumes the mass once she's been picked up by the ambulance. And uh, he resumes the mass. And at the end of the mass, um, this door that at the cathedral that has not been opened in 70 years opens by itself. And the woman comes in back from the hospital. She's all checked out. She's just fine. And the crowd who saw her die and raised from the dead applauds. Mm. Now. 
This is not credible for multiple reasons. Um, among them are if you have a heart attack and you are revived and you go to the hospital to check you out, there's no way you get back before the end of mass. Mm -hmm. They're going to do tests on you that are going to take hours. Mm -hmm. They're going to watch you overnight for observation. They're going to do all kinds of things. They're not going to send you right back out. Um, furthermore, this allegedly happened, if I recall correctly, in 2008. So where are all the pictures on Facebook of this happening? Sure. You know, where where is where are the social media mentions? Where is it in the local Catholic newspaper? This is another fabulous story that appears to just be a fable. He also recounts a story of he was dining at a restaurant in um, Alberta, in Western Canada, and he began to get ill. And so he went to a hospital across from the restaurant and a Russian doctor there at uh, uh, checked him out and realized he was infected with a Russian bioweapon mm. that the doctor himself had developed in Russia and then destroyed before he immigrated to Canada. And the doctor pumped him full of antibiotics and sent him on his way and told him to get checked out when he completed his road trip back to where he lives in Montreal. If you have been infected by a Russian bioweapon, Mm -hmm. That's that has affected a local restaurant. So restaurant patrons are coming down mm -hmm. with this. Mm -hmm. That's going to be an instant major health emergency mm -hmm. that um, is going to be investigated by the Canadian authorities. It's going to get law enforcement involved. It's going to get the Canadian equivalent of the CDC involved. It's going to get the military and intelligence agencies involved. How a Russian bioweapon got released in Heartland, Canada at a restaurant is going to be a big deal. Hmm. That's There are no records of this happening. And if someone has been infected by a Russia, Russian bioweapon, you, you don't just give them a few antibiotics and send them on their way. They're going to need to be interviewed by government agencies and because the government's going to want to investigate this. You don't let patient zero escape into the wild and go about his business. So these stories, among others, are just not credible. And both of Father Rodrigue's bishops, because he lives in he's incarnated in one diocese, but lives in another. Um, he 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 had publicity materials out that said he runs all of his prophecies by his bishops, you know, to generate credence for them. Well, his bishops both said, no, he, he doesn't run his prophecies past me. And furthermore, they rejected his prophecies and both issued letters repudiating Father Rodrigue. Now, you may say, well, OK, this stuff isn't really credible, but how do we know falsehood? I mean, even if you maybe, you know, maybe the Canadian government covered up the bioweapon release. Mm. How do you know something is absolutely false here? Well, one of the things that among his dramatic prophecies, Father Rodrigue said that within a few months of when I did my show, um, there was going to be this uh, illumination of conscience event mm -hmm. where planes would stop in the sky for 15 minutes and everyone would have an examination of conscience. Well, that didn't happen. You know, it didn't happen within a few months. He said a date it was going to happen within, a, within the year. It didn't. Then he also prophesied that in this persecution against the church, Pope Francis was going to be martyred. Mm. And Pope Benedict, in retirement, would then call an ecumenical council 
And then Pope Benedict would try to flee, but would be caught by the agents of the beast, and he would be martyred. Okay. Well, um, none of that's happened, but Pope Benedict is no longer alive. He died last year, so there's no way. He also, by the way, doesn't have authority as a as a retired, you know, former pope. He can't call an ecumenical council. Mm-hmm. But um he's he dead. And so he he did not get martyred. Pope Francis did not get martyred first. This was all inaccurate. And so it was just plainly inaccurate. No Vatican three, to my yeah. knowledge, that, that hasn't happened. I'm, I'm curious before we get back to the three days of darkness, since we're talking yeah. about father here. What's your assessment? I mean, is this, this guy a charlatan? Is he a liar? Well, is he just insane? What, what's going on here? Is it I, demonic? I, I wondered about him. Um, you know, I can't I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm not telepathic, at least mm-hmm. not enough to read his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, so I can't say with confidence. What he what I can say is his his claims, both about his life story and his prophecies are not credible. Mm-hmm. And that could be due to conscious lying. You know, he could he could be a compulsive liar, um, it, it, someone who is is doing this for fun or for profit. Um, and he 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 has tied donations to his revelation. So there is a profit motive here because he has a monastery he's, he's trying to build. Um, And so it could be, it could be conscious lying. It could be mental illness. He he could be a very sincere guy who believes all this and he's just deluded. Um, It's harder for me to attribute this to innocent imagination because of his life story claims. If it was just prophecies that that were problematic, I could say, okay, he maybe imagined he got this prophecy. But you don't imagine the dramatic burning down of your house event from when you were a child or your infection with the Russian bioweapon or you're raising someone from the dead at mass as an adult. Those are memories that you you just don't innocently imagine those things if you really believe them there is something seriously wrong with you is he serving if if they didn't happen is he serving out of parish anywhere uh he's no longer serving it as at least as of the information i have he had he was no longer serving it as at serving at a parish after his local bishop um denounced him part of the deal was he is He's retiring from active service in the diocese, but Makes he does sense. still have a monastery. Oh, so he that, still that has he some. Is he, what, what what kind of role does he have there? He, he just he's, built it, but is he active with it? But what's going yeah, on? he's he's got his own little order. And the bishop has approved of this, or I think the Vatican may have approved of the little order, but no action has been taken dissolving the order to this point, as far as I'm aware. Got it. Let me. You, you you know how it works in church. Once you get permission for something, it rolls along until you sure. get up the the energy to specifically revoke it. Sure. Now it's come up several times in the chat. Some people are mm-hmm. bringing up biblical precedent for the three days okay. of darkness, and they're mentioning the trumpet will sound. They're mentioning the book of Exodus, and maybe talk about those. Sure. So, um. Well, um, 
The book of Exodus records historical events that are approximately 3,200 years old. So it's describing a period in our past. And yeah, there was three days of darkness was one of the plagues in Exodus. And, you know, so God can do that. And he did it on that occasion. That doesn't prove that he's going to do it again in the future. Um, I could imagine something else from, you know, like the Nile turning to blood. Well, that happens in Exodus, but that doesn't allow me to say, therefore, the Nile's going to turn to blood again in our future. Or the death of the firstborn, you know, happened in Exodus, but that doesn't give me license to say the death of the firstborn is going to happen again in the future. And if you don't have the blood of the Passover lamb painted over your lentils, the firstborn in your house is going to die. You know, I can't just take something from Exodus and lift it up and say that is evidence that the same thing's going to happen again in our future. Also, even if it was, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the three days of darkness over the world, because one of the things that Exodus says about the three days of darkness there is that it applied in the land of Egypt, except where the Israelites were and they had light. So this wasn't even a global um, darkness. It was a darkness in Egypt. That didn't even affect the Israelites, and we have no indication it affected anybody outside of Egypt. So it's not a strict parallel. When it comes to the book of Revelation, um, and, you know, people take the book of Revelation different ways. I've studied it from multiple perspectives. Um, I'm convinced that the primary fulfillment Mm -hmm. of most of the book of Revelation up to chapter 20 is is in the early part of church history. Okay. The, the first century or the first few centuries. Mm-hmm. And we are currently living in the millennium right now when the devil is bound and not able to stop the proclamation of the gospel by deceiving the nations. Uh, we could be towards the end of the millennium if you want to think the future is the end of the world is soon. But that's where we are right now. So all of the material before chapter 20 which is where the revelation, which is where the millennium is, all of that's going to pertain to stuff that's in our past for its primary fulfillment. And both the sixth seal and the fifth vial are in those chapters. So the darkness associated with those two events should be whatever it means, whether it's spiritual darkness or literal darkness, whatever it means, its primary fulfillment should be towards the beginning of church history, not in our future. Now, that doesn't mean that there can't be a, a repetition later because prophecy can repeat. There can be more than one fulfillment. So there could be darkness in our future. I can't rule that out, mm-hmm. but um, but you can't prove it from these passages because their primary fulfillment is in our past, and none of them mention three days of darkness. They mention darkness, but they don't mention three days of it. And so you don't have a prophecy of the three days of darkness in the Bible, either in the Old Testament or the New Testament. What do you think of this? Uh, this came up in the chat. Dennis says, Jesus Christ will soon reveal or reveal soon that he is the King of Kings and truth of the living God. We have to be ready, our brothers and sisters. The trumpet will sound. So what do you, what do you think of this kind of end times frenzy that we find in Catholicism where people are just, you know, just so ramped up thinking, you know, we're right at the end. you got to be, you know, alert. What, what, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I think that, um, that, you know, it's understandable that people would think that because people have been thinking that for the last 2000 years. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it was understandable that they thought they were living right at the end. So it's understandable that people today think we're living right at the end. Mm-hmm. And we all will have an end. Even if it's not the end of the world, we're going to die someday and we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready to meet the King of King and Lords of Lord, Lord of Lords. So um, I, I think there are salutary warnings that need to be given. But if someone's claiming we are literally within just a few years of the end of the world, well, maybe. But let's let's think about that carefully, because it's a factual claim. And you can't just go with your gut on things like that. You need to think about it. That's why God gave us brains. And so, um, well, number one, what's the track record of such prophecies? Accuracy. Mm-hmm. Really low. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been loads of people in the last 2000 years saying this is it. This is the end. And it wasn't. So you need to be careful and say, well, I, that's a known human tendency among Christians to think you're at the end when you're not. So how do you know? What objective evidence do you have? Well, things are so much worse now than they used to be. Okay, well, number one, that's that's what everyone in every period of history thinks. You, it's, it's, it's a kind of hindsight bias where uh, people think things in the past were so much better than they are now. This goes back to the ancient Greeks. Um, they had the same, all humans, I mean, everybody reminisces, you know, old people in every generation reminisce about how great it used to be compared to how it is now. That happens constantly in every society, in every age in history. In ancient Greece, uh, people talked about these different metallic ages, or back in the day, there was the age of gold. And then there was the age of bronze, which wasn't quite as great as the age of gold. And now we're living in this awful age of iron and and everybody sees the world getting worse from their perspective. It's a known human cognitive bias. So it also means it's not good evidence that things are really so much worse now than they used to be. Mm. Also, most of the people. Who, who who make claims like this have ne- have not done an intensive study of the past and how awful the past could really be. Um, it, it was it was not, you know, merry old England. Everything is just great. There were loads of problems in the ancient world, including people dying at enormously young ages and being a subject to authoritarian governments. And then you had no- normal human depravity layered on top of all that. Um, today, at least we don't have anybody who's enslaved Mm -hmm. in America, or at least slavery is illegal. And -hmm. if they catch you enslaving someone, you are going to go to jail. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't the case in the past. Um, so, uh, you know, in fact, slavery is a normal condition in world history in most societies. Uh, and, and it's not now, which is, we can thank God for that. There's more human liberty now than there used to be. There's also misuse of human liberty, but at least there's the liberty. So um, so what other, other than just kind of gut feeling subjective appraisals, what other things could there be that would be a sign that maybe we're near the end? Well, there's one I can think of. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, and there are others that are more speculative, like you know, maybe computers play a role in something, but that's just all speculation. That's not based on biblical prophecy. There is one biblically based thing that I can look at that 
that gives me some caution here and, mm. and think, okay, we may be nearer the end than we thought. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the reconstitution of the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. Israel had this promise from God, whether it's still in force or not is an open question theologically, mm -hmm. but they had this promise, you know, to this land and then they got kicked out of it. And then 1900 years later, mm -hmm. they get their land back. Mm -hmm. Okay. That ought to make anybody sit up and take notice. Mm -hmm. And um, so so that could be a sign that things are moving in God's prophetic calendar and we might be entering a new phase sometime in the near future. But I can't say that with confidence. So um, do I think we're going to have the end of the world next year or within the next decade? I'd say probably not. What about the next hundred years? Maybe the next thousand years, yeah, higher odds than 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 the next hundred years. But um, but I think that's how I would handle uh, trying to do a realistic appraisal of how close we are. That's helpful. But what about the role of private revelation in general? There's a lot of people who are struggling with this. I see them preoccupied with private revelations. To the exclusion of public revelation, sacred scripture, for instance, um, what is exactly is the role of, of, of private revelation? So the role of private revelation is to help us live out the Christian message better in a particular age. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be targeted to a specific audience, like helping this person live their Christian faith better, or it can be more broadly, you know, like Fatima had implications for the church worldwide. Um, I think private revelation is fascinating. I love it. I study it. I think about it. Um, we shouldn't neglect public revelation, which is the more important. Mm. Um, and so I, and, and you will be misled if you don't know your public revelation first, when you're starting to study, if you don't have a good handle on biblical prophecy, you, if you, you're going to be easy to mislead with ideas like, oh, this is in Revelation, therefore it must be in our future. Oh, no, not necessarily. Um, but if you have a good grounding in biblical prophecy, it can help provide a framework that can make it easier to fit some of these end-time speculations or to critically evaluate some of these end-time speculations. Also, um, people are too quick to connect things to the end of the world. Um, it, private revelation is meant to help people in a particular age. And let's take Fatima as an example. Fatima um, urged, overall, the message urged the Pope to, with the bishops of the world, to consecrate Russia to uh, avoid a nuclear war and said that if this is done, in the end, Russia will be converted. And that happened. Mm. And and if you read the Vatican documents pertaining to, if you read what John Paul II said about this, and you read what Sister Lucia said about this, um, they're in agreement. Yeah, it looks like we're already past the fulfillment. Uh, we're in the, they were then in the time of peace that was prophesied by Revelation. This was about the 20th century, about warfare in the 20th century, specifically as related to communists. And um, 
And the a nuclear war that would have occurred in the 1980s was averted by the consecration that John Paul II did. And Russia was converted from its errors of spreading communism internationally. And Sister Lucia herself, I have interviews with her where she says um, that, yeah, it didn't have to mean they're going to become Catholic. They're not going to be converted in that sense. You're just going to stop doing what they're doing. And uh, and they did come, at least corporately, come back to the Christian faith. They're no longer an atheistic state. So um, so that's an illustration of how Fatima, despite lots of people thinking this is going to be end time stuff, it wasn't. It was about a struggle in the 20th century that was a global struggle and had global implications. If we had had a nuclear war, that could have ruined a whole bunch of people's days. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't the end of the world. And similarly, when you look at, uh, Akita from Akita, Japan, again, it's a prophecy of a nuclear war. And it's like, they're going to be, fire is going to fall from the sky. Nations are going to be annihilated. Okay. It's the same thing as Fatima, just like Cardinal Ratzinger said. It's, and so, you know, that looks like it's also been dealt with, at least for the moment, we could have nuclear wars in the future. Hopefully not. Um, you look at uh, at Cabejo in Rwanda, and so the message is people need to repent or there's going to be a genocide. Guess what? They didn't repent and there was a genocide, yeah. but it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. So comparatively few people, even among those who get private revelation, are actually, they may get revelation about dramatic events, but not specifically tied to the end of the world. Yeah, that's helpful. Now, I want to show this to you. Mm-hmm. I posted this a few days ago. What do you think of this? Scripture and tradition on one side. You got the Catholic and then on the right side, some random <laughs> 19th century prophecy from a Catholic mystic. And then Elmo <laughs> puts his face all in it. Do, do you think that's kind of illustrative of, it, of how it, we do things today? <laughs> it, it conveys a, it conveys a truth. Yes. The, and part, partly it's because of the newness factor. Uh-huh. Um, because, um, because people are attracted to new things. That's why you, that's why clothing companies come out with new fashions every year and sell them as the latest, greatest thing. And and so people think of, oh, well, I could go read the Bible and you know, Haggai and Malachi and Jonah, but who are actually divinely inspired. But no, let's go to this new thing that is that is exciting and new and nobody's heard about yet. And and even though it's not divinely inspired in the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you one final question here before we take just a couple chat questions. Y'all go ahead and put them in the chat to at Reason of Theology. Um, my final question to you about your article is, uh, ultimately, what's Jimmy's judgment on the three days of darkness? Go ahead and just summarize it for us. Well, I'm open to doing more research on it in the future. But mm-hmm. based on what I've seen, I don't think I have a good I don't have a good basis for um, for saying this is a real thing. It appears to have come up very recently. There are severe problems in the sourcing like the one quotation you see everywhere seems to not be authentic. Um, it, I would, I would want to see a and There's also another factor, which I haven't even mentioned, which is blessed Anna Maria Taiji's revelations have not been evaluated for mm-hmm. authenticity when, as part of your canonization process, they will check and see, did you ever say anything heretical? Mm-hmm. 
And so she apparently didn't say anything heretical. She got declared a blessed. But that doesn't mean you're genuinely getting visions. And that's a separate process that's conducted not by the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. If it was done by anybody at the Vatican, it would be the Holy Office back then or now the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. They're the ones who were tasked with looking at private revelations. So um, just because someone is a saint or a blessed doesn't mean the Church has signed off on their visions. I would need to see both primary source documentation from her lifetime. Mm-hmm. That holds up to critical evaluation, not something that appears later on with questionable sourcing. And then I would want to say, okay, has there been an evaluation of her prophecies, and um, and to what extent would that apply to this one? Then I would need to say, does this prophecy men- does this prophecy mention three days or not? Mm-hmm because that's something that we only have Father Natali's word for. And I would want to see it in the in the transcript written while she was alive. Then I would have to say, what does this prophecy mean? Is this even talking about sp- physical darkness or is it spiritual darkness? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I'd have to, you know, further consider how likely is this type of event? Because even the parallel in Exodus isn't, isn't that um, isn't that close? I mean, it, it did involve three days of darkness, but it wasn't global, um, and it didn't involve all of the enemies of the church dying. And so, this prophecy, as it's presented in that quote, is rather extraordinary. And I, it's not the type of thing that God has done before. And so mm-hmm. I don't see a good precedent for it. So um, at least I'm open to future evidence, um, just like I always am. But in terms of of where I am now, based on the current evidence, I would say I don't recommend that Catholics give credence to the three days of darkness prophecy. And I certainly don't recommend that they be scared of it. Because the the problems with the sourcing on this are just so large. It really looks like this is a creation of the apparitions rumor net that will not stand up to serious investigation. Bo says, uh, happy anniversary to you for your 30 years oh, as an apologist. Thank yeah. you. Ye- yesterday was my 30th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. He says this might be slightly silly, but uh, <laughs> could her mystical son be somehow similar to Blue Panic Orbs? Oh, a throwback to Jimmy Aiken's yeah. Mysterious World episode. So the, the Blue Panic Orbs is its my name for a phenomenon that was reported at Skinwalker Ranch in Utah yeah. and other places yeah. where people would know Notice these blue orbs and they would feel panic, uh, uh, abnormally afraid. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I the mystic sun, as far as I know, was not blue. I assume it was white or yellowish, just like our sun in the sky. But I there love- are other other colors of orbs besides blue. I love the whole concept of blue panic orbs. The Skimwalker Ranch thing is pretty fascinating. Did you see the Netflix series on that? I've seen a little bit of it. Uh, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I've seen a little bit of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Was it? Oh, I, I know what I was going to say. But I think I, I forget if someone else pointed this out, too. But I think blue panic orbs would be a great name for a rock group. 
<laughs> Since we're talking about you know stuff like that, I think the Three Days of Darkness would make a really oh, yeah, interesting sure. movie. I mean, with, oh. and a and a and a rock group too, right? Three mm-hmm. Days of Darkness rock group, but but also a movie that would be a fascinating mm-hmm. thing. It, it would it would kind of be like Left Behind, though. It's all fictitious, but it's yeah, it's entertaining. The problem with a movie like that is it would lead just like Left Behind did. It led a yeah. lot of people to think this is a real scenario and something like this is going to happen. Uh, do you have any comment on Xavier Reyes uh, A-Roll's recent book Revelations that attributes the recent understanding of Three Days of Darkness to the Garabondal apparitions? I don't. I haven't read that. Um, I am going to be doing research. I, I know some about Garabondal now based on research I've already done, but I will be doing more research on Garabondal and the Three Days of Darkness, and eventually I'll have Mysterious World episodes on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're not naming names, but gen- generally speaking here, YouTube priests on on respected sites are pushing three days of darkness. Should we listen to them? Well, you can listen to anybody. Just know your faith and use critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to agree with everybody, with everything every, everybody believes. Um, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to agree with me on everything. But I hope that I'm able to provide some material, at least, that is useful and interesting to think about and that helps people. But we should always be critical thinkers. And so, um, you know, if a priest is otherwise giving you information that uh, is helpful spiritually or intellectually, I'd say, okay, well, on this, I happen to disagree with him, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to listen to him or not going to talk to him or anything like that. On the other hand, if a priest is not giving you useful information, if if it's if a given priest is a regular giving you a regular diet of alarmism and you know not critically thinking through these things, so I'd say, well, maybe there's maybe there, he may have something to contribute, but maybe there's someone else you want to spend more of your time listening to just for the sake of the helpful, unhelpful information ratio. Uh, Zach says that the content about the three days of darkness is fourth hand information. He argues we don't even have Raphael's words, but only the claim of an anonymous priest to the author who alleges that he said this to them. And he right. mentions and, and that's why I mentioned I did mention it in the article. I think I mentioned it. Uh, in our conversation today mm-hmm. that we're dependent on the transmission process. Mm-hmm. Not, we're not only dependent on Raffaele's memory mm-hmm. and his honesty. And unfortunately there can be priests, including spiritual directors who go bad. Um, there have been, uh, that's one of the reasons the Dicastery for the doctrine of the faith is tasked with prosecuting them. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, we're also dependent on the transmission process of what he said being accurately conveyed to us today in English. Um, <clears throat> this is uh, Super Chat here. Thank you for that. Blue Panic Orbs would be a good name for a jam band, not a rock band. <laughs> so what does Jimmy think did happen at Skinwalker Ranch? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. I, Skinwalker Ranch is real. I mean, you can. It's. I think it's episode 28 of Mysterious World, so you could get to it by going to mysterious.fm. And if it is episode 28, you could get to it by going to – actually, let me just pull it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get the episode number real quick. Mm-hmm. And and while you're doing that, I want to show everybody. Definitely go and watch this video right here by Laura Horn. Yes, too far with really, Laura Horn. 
prepping really for video. three days of darkness be like <laughs> go, go and watch that. Yeah. <laughs> you'll thank me later <laughs> uh it's episode 36 of mysterious world so okay. you can get to it by going to mysterious.fm slash 36 and no. there's so much happening there I don't know what it is. What it appears to be, at least based on the reports, would be some kind of interdimensional contact. But um, that would be the easiest explanation for the most of the phenomena that happened there. But whether that's really what's going on, I don't know. Do you see that in one of the houses on the ranch, they found like one of the rooms in the basement was walled off? They broke through the wall and it was just an enclosed room and they found traces of bones on the mm. floor. And all. it was just really odd. Have you, have you seen that? I haven't seen that episode. So weird. I've, I, I've only seen a little bit of the TV show. I've read mm-hmm. the books. Um, there are ah. two books. There was the initial book, um, Hunt for the Skinwalker, that was written by the chief scientist, not the current one by the chief scientist and George Knapp, who's a Las Vegas journalist, uh, about the investigation of the ranch in the 1990s. And then more recently, there's been a book called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, which was written by, again, by people involved in more recent investigations of the ranch and elsewhere with similar phenomena. Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. Just, I don't know. It just kind of reminds me of lizard people maybe working at the Pentagon or something when I hear that. As long as there are lizard people who are on our side, you know. Then it checks out. It's okay. Then. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for coming on and doing this, Jimmy. This was incredibly informative. I'll put a link to, in fact, I already did put a link to the Catholic Answers article in the show notes. I also put a link to Laura Horn's video that you need to watch on the three days of darkness. Any uh, plugs that you want to put in? Anything you want to make the viewers aware of? Oh, let's see. Um, So I work at Catholic Answers, and our website is catholic.com, so people can check that out. We've got thousands of resources available for people online for free. Um, So almost any question you have, you can probably find something on it there. My personal website is jimmyaken.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y, and Aiken is so easy. (laughs) A-K-I... N as in yep. Nancy. So just four letters, uh, jimmyaken.com. And also my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash jimmyaken. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm well known for my Mysterious World podcast. We look at a new mystery. We look at mysteries every Friday. They can be natural mysteries. They can be supernatural mysteries. They can be paranormal mysteries. And we actually try to solve them. We don't just, like, unlike a lot of shows, we don't just do just imagine and what if this were true no we try to find out what's true so after laying out the background on a mystery we analyze it from the faith perspective and the reason perspective and say what would the catholic faith have to say about this mystery and what would reason tell us about this mystery yeah i love the work that you're doing with mysterious world it is just so awesome i mean your apologetics work is is incredible too but i am really fascinated with the stories and events that you go into and you examine them as you noted there from a reason perspective and a faith perspective it's incredibly unique i don't know of anything else like that well thank you just to give you a preview of what's coming up so Mm -hmm. we just Mm -hmm. we just did um 
I guess last Friday, we did a story called The 21st Century Poltergeist, which was about a little boy who was affecting electronic devices. Mm. And I interviewed one of the investigators who worked that case. Today, we have uh, patrons questions on all kinds of things. Next week, we have one of the most famous psychological experiments uh, from the around 1970 called the Rosenhan experiment. It was incredibly influential in psychology. And we're going to be telling you about the fraud that mm. the experiment involved. Uh, then we have uh, a, a historical mystery on the D.C. snipers that were killing mm. people in 2002. And then... The next week, we're going to tell you what the public didn't know about the D.C. snipers case, because there's a mm. whole hidden side to that investigation that the public was not told about. And it's it for some people, it will be a little mind blowing exactly what the FBI mm. and other law enforcement agencies were doing. Um, but I don't want to spoil that. We're also going to be talking about uh, uh, Nicholas Black Elk. Coming up, he was a uh, Lakota medicine man who became a Roman Catholic, and now he's has a cause for canonization open, and he had a bunch of mystical experiences. So we're going to be talking about him. We're going to be talking about a woman in 1984 in Britain who uh, started hearing voices, and she thought she was crazy. Mm -hmm. And so she went to a psychiatrist, and he put her on medication. Um to eliminate the voices, the voices go away. She's so happy she's recovered her sanity. She goes on a vacation. And while she's on vacation, the voices break through the medication. And they say, I'm sorry, I know this is really disturbing to you, but we're trying to help. You have a serious medical condition and need to go back to England immediately for treatment. And she did. And the voices diagnosed her medical condition. She had two. And when she finally got Britain's socialized medical system to run the tests, the voices were absolutely right. Hmm. And so we're going to be talking about the voices and hmm. what they might have been and what they told her. Uh, we also have an upcoming episode, and this will be really interesting. We have an upcoming episode with Dominican father Nathan Castle, who has a special ministry to souls in purgatory. Mm. And so we're going to interview, I interview him about his, about his ministry, and then we're going to talk about contact with the dead and what is and isn't allowed from a faith perspective. And it's, it's a lot more complex than a lot of people might imagine. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. And you know, some yeah. Protestants are going to have something to say about that one. Sure. <laughs> Looking forward to that. It's incredible. And by the way, I want to recommend everybody also go and check out the, the show that you just did on Emperor Norton. That was pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all, all hail our American Emperor. <laughs> Emperor Norton deserves far more respect than he got. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so much, Jimmy. Truly enjoyed it. Always an honor to have you on. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs>